All right. So let's get right into the series. So we're starting this new series on Joshua called Go Into the Land. It's a story of God's monumental charge to Joshua. And he says, Joshua, listen to me. You're going to take a ragtag, unorganized nation militarily that's been wandering in the desert for 40 years, and you're going to lead them into the promised land. But this is more than just a historic account of how that happens. It's a story about faith. It's a story about obedience. It's a story about the challenge that we face every day of trusting God against formidable opposition. We're going to read over the course of the next six years. I'm maybe not that long. <laughs> We're going to read how Joshua and the Israelites and overcame what seems to be insurmountable obstacles. It's a story about how God always, listen, always keeps his promises to his chosen people even when we fail, even when we don't deserve his promises. I believe this story will, for us as a church, inspire us and and teach us powerful, meaningful, theological, personal truths that we, as followers of Jesus, desperately need as we seek to follow the Lamb wherever he goes. So let's just jump right in. Week one, Moses is dead. So the story, the whole story of Joshua starts in dramatic fashion. As Moses the man that Joshua has looked up to his whole life, his mentor, his friend, a father figure in many respects, Moses has died. Just so you know that Moses, and most people know about Moses, even those who aren't really Christians or atheists, know the legend or the story of Moses. Moses was adored by every Israelite for his courage and his leadership. This is, at this point, the only leader that two generations of Jews in the desert have ever known. This is the man who God used to send plagues on Egypt, part the Red Sea, bring water out of rocks, provide manna from heaven, a pillar of fire at night, and a cloud by day as the children of Israel wandered the desert. He is the one who God empowered and inspired to write the first five books of the Bible known as the Pentateuch. He is the one that God gave the tablets with the Ten Commandments on. Moses has been a titan of faith, an example to every Jew, and suddenly now he's gone. And this is an abrupt, emotional transition that has thrust Joshua right into the spotlight. And he must now fill Moses' massive shoes. Before we read today's passage, I want to talk about this relation between Moses and Joshua just a little bit. So go back with me. It's two years after the Israelites have escaped slavery in Egypt. That whole story about the plagues and all that stuff. And Moses, just a mere two years later, has led an entire nation of people to the very doorstep of the promised land. They can see it. And so God tells Moses, I want you to send out 12 spies, one from each tribe. They're going to go out and they're going to scout the land and bring back information that will prepare you for the conquest. 
So the 12 spies go out and they all return and all confirm this, that the land that God has promised is incredibly beautiful. It's a fertile place flowing with, and you've heard this phrase, flowing with milk and honey. But they also reported that the land was full of very formidable, well-fortified cities. And each one of these cities had towering armies of giants, literally giant people. Giants that were so big, the spy said, when we look at them, they make us feel like grasshoppers. They believe, 10 of the 12 spies, they believe the conquest of the promised land is a ridiculous, impossible task that should not even be entertained. Their faith falters in the face of adversity. I mean, never mind how all of them, just two years earlier, just two years, had personally witnessed God and all of his power during their exodus from Egypt. They were there for the plagues. They saw the Red Sea parted. They saw Pharaoh's army, the greatest army on the earth at the time, destroyed. They saw all of it. But that was yesterday. When they're confronted with this new daunting challenge ahead, 10 of the 12 spies, they are overcome with fear and anxiety. Only two of the 12 spies, Caleb and Joshua, are ready to immediately go into the land and take it. We see the story in Numbers 14. Joshua and Caleb tore their clothes. It's a a sign of mourning and frustration and anger. And said to all the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy it out It is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord or fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. It's pretty amazing. Their protection is removed from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And how did the people respond to that? They wanted to stone Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb are unable to persuade them and the entire nation of Israel. And they all choose what? Instead of going into the promised land, they choose safety in a desert for 38 years. For 38 years, God allows them to live with the consequences of their choosing safety instead of victory and destiny. The desert is a safe option, even though it's hot and dry with maybe like two palm trees. (laughs) Victory, destiny, and faith is the dangerous option. You know, for us today, sometimes safety is much more appealing than victory or destiny, isn't it? Especially when our destiny requires faith or sacrifice. Look what happens in Numbers 14 a little bit later. Look what God says. As I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness, everyone listed in the census from 20 years old and upward, who have grumbled against me. Not one shall come into the land except Caleb and Joshua. 
For 38 years, this fearful, faithless, grumbling generation who's been fed by manna and water and protection and all these things, this grumbling generation lives out their lives in the desert in safety as the next generation waits. And right at this time, God says to Moses, by the way, Moses couldn't go into the land either because of his own disobedience. Moses, I want you to name Joshua as your successor. And so for those 38 years, Moses mentors Joshua. That brings us to our story. We're going to read chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over to this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I have promised to Moses. From the wilderness in Lebanon, as far as the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to give to their fathers to give to them. Only be very strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn it from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Does that sound familiar? You're going to see a lot of that, by the way. Connections to Joshua and the book of Revelation. All right, look at the spiritual section. What about God? What is he doing here? He's saying it's your time, Joshua, but look, this is going to be a difficult task. So Joshua is grieving. His friend, his mentor has died, and now God has thrust him into leadership. I can just imagine, you know, Joshua, the task your mentor Moses could not complete is now yours. You will lead my people into the promised land. You are going to shepherd Lead and inspire these people who, by the way, have wandered aimlessly in fear for four decades. You will organize these nomads, these tent dwellers, into a formidable invasion force. But it won't be easy, Joshua. You're going to need courage. You're going to need strength. There are going to be days of great victory. You'll feel like there's nothing you can't do. You will be so proud of your people. There will also be crushing days of defeat when your people's actions will leave you so discouraged, so angry, so frustrated, you'll feel like quitting. So you need to remember when those days happen, everything Moses taught you. You're going to need it all, both what he taught by his example 
and all of the words he has written down in those first five books that we call the Pentateuch. You'll need to remember everything I told Moses to write in Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. Turn to Genesis, Joshua, to remember my divine power in creation and redemption. Learn from the stories of Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and the great story of my servant Joseph. You will learn a lot about how to deal with my people from those stories. Remember Exodus. Remember what you went through. Read and learn the lessons from all of Moses' triumphs in Exodus and his failures. Heed the commandments that I set forth in Leviticus and the revised version that I gave to this younger generation in Deuteronomy. Joshua, you have been tasked with a monumental undertaking. But know this, that you, through power of my spirit, you will carry the wisdom of the ages that you will need to be successful. Joshua, you will not fail. I love this verse, even though it's one of the most misunderstood, misinterpreted verses in the Bible. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do according to all that is written. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Listen, let me explain what this verse means, what God was saying. Listen, Joshua, I know that all five of those books, they're really thick, they're really big, and it's a lot to remember. Humanly impossible, probably. But there's good news for you, Joshua. You don't have to remember it alone. I will write the teachings of Moses so deep within your heart. I will keep them on your lips. You will always be speaking them, and I will give you understanding. By my spirit, I will help you recall each lesson, each instruction, exactly when you need it. I will keep everything on your lips. I will keep you on the right path. I won't let you waver to the left or to the right. This is why you will prosper, and this is why you will succeed. Because I have placed you, Joshua, at the very center of my divine, sovereign plan. Your success, my son, is guaranteed no matter what. You are about to embark on a path I have prepared for you way in advance, Ephesians chapter 2. You're going to trip over this, Joshua. Listen, Joshua, just as I was with Moses during the Exodus, I will be with you as you lead Israel into the promised land. And under your leadership, I will make my people into an absolutely unstoppable force. In those dark moments, remember, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, and through you, I intend to keep all my promises to my people. Personal section today, strength and courage. On social media this week, this was the preview. How can you be sure you'll always have enough strength and courage to obey all of God's commands no matter what? So question for you, does, does this incredible personal journey, this conversation, right, 
between God and Joshua. Does that sound familiar to you? Can you think of anything else maybe, I, I don't know, in the New Testament that sounds like go into the land and I'll be with you always? And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Do you see the similarities between Joshua's charge and the one Jesus gave to us? Just like Joshua's battle, our opponent isn't merely flesh and blood. It's the forces of darkness and evil who want to keep us in the desert. And the promises in Joshua and the one here in Matthew 28, the same exact promise, by the way, they aren't about pursuing fleeting financial earthly prosperity. It's about an eternal kingdom. They emphasize the power of faith and obedience and the promise of God's presence to fulfill his divine plan. Both in Joshua and in Matthew, this promise assures us that no matter what, God will never leave you or forsake you if you are among his chosen people. And just like Joshua, <clears throat> what God has called us to do will put us in almost impossible situations. There will be many bad days. Some of you are experiencing them today. But just like Joshua, sometimes what we are called to do will be rejected by the vast majority. It won't be very popular. You know, wouldn't it be great if somehow we would know that as we go forward and do what God has commanded us, that we could know ahead of time that we'll be equipped with everything that we're going to need to stay strong and courageous in those dark times? Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great to know how to spot God's presence and be reminded of it no matter how terrible things are around us? Well, the good news is we are. Let me put it up there again just for you, just to see it. <clears throat> this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. He's not talking to Joshua now. He's actually talking to you, church. He's going to put it in your mouth. He's going to make sure you meditate day and night. He's going to make sure that you are careful to do all that is written. He's going to make sure your way is prosperous and that you have good success. This is a very misunderstood passage. Many perceive it as a conditional promise. Well, if you do this, then God will do that. If I really know the word of God and I study it every day and I pray and I think, and then I will be successful. But this whole introductory passage in Joshua where God is speaking to a grieving Joshua, it's not a command. Did you know that? It is a promise. It's not about earthly or political or societal or personal or financial or emotional comfort and success. It's about what God has prepared beforehand that we will walk into and trip over. This promise says God, through his spirit, 
will write his commands on your heart. Equipping you with everything that we need to be successful as we venture into our own promised land with the gospel. He has given us the earth as our inheritance. And our job now is to go into it and take the message of hope and redemption to those whom he's calling. Because of this promise, we will have the strength and courage to succeed in what God is calling us to do. Some of you aren't going to like this verse. I didn't like it at first either. It's so hard. Keep your life free from love of money. By the way, you don't have to be rich to love money, right? And be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Go into the land. The title of this series, it is clearly a metaphor for us stepping out in faith and obedience to God's command, just as Joshua and Israel had to do. And like Joshua, we are commanded to go into the land and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them everything. Joshua, observe everything Moses commanded you. Disciples, go and teach them everything I have commanded you. The prosperity and success that God is promising is not, listen to me, is not earthly success. It is not confidence to know what's going to happen. It is not a secure future on earth. I mean, think about it. Earthly comfort and success doesn't really require much strength and courage. Any sissy can have earthly success. Success isn't about your earthly hopes and dreams. Our true destiny is our victorious role in God's unstoppable plan of redemption. We just spent a year studying it. So why does he tell us to be strong and courageous? Why do you think he does that? You know why? Because God knows, humanly speaking, our inclination is to be fearful and guarded and paralyzed and choose safety. Because while God is calling us to do these things, stepping out to fulfill God's calling is, let's be honest, if we're really going to do it, if we're really going to follow the Lamb wherever He goes, it can be very intimidating and very scary sometimes. We won't need to be warned about strength and courage. Listen to me. You don't need to be reminded to be strong and courageous if you aren't doing anything eternally important. You don't need strength and courage if everything you're doing is temporal. Trust me, we've all been there. As your pastor, I hear a call too. And I'm excited about it. But I'm human and I'm kind of fearful right now. And no doubt, we all need courage. 
Because just like Joshua and Israel, the forces of evil desperately want us to stay afraid and not even start. For each of us at Grace Life to succeed in what we've been called to, we must trust in God's promises to Joshua and what Jesus promised to us. He will never leave. He will never forsake. He will never fail to provide for us when we enter into uncharted territory for the kingdom of heaven. And some of us today, right now, sitting in this room, we're afraid. We're afraid of what God might be calling us to do. The unknowns. How are we going to provide? What about the formidable opposition? I don't even know what my next step is. What, how do I even get started? There are days when you're just not very strong. Can we agree on that? There are days when we do not feel very courageous at all. Those are hard days. And what's sad about it or what's frustrating is we're not feeling strong, we're not feeling courageous, but we desperately want to be. I don't want to be fearful. I don't want to be afraid. I want to have strength. I want to have courage, but I just don't feel like I have it. Can you relate to that? Question for you, personally. What kingdom calling and task are you afraid to start right now? Which ones of your earthly fears? Have you, because of that fear, chosen life on the other side of the Jordan and the illusion of safety of wandering in a desert without strength and courage? Church, we don't need to live like the depressed, frightened, grumbling generation that wandered for 40 years until they died. It's no way to live. You don't need to be afraid to undertake great things for the kingdom of God, to do what God has commanded us to do together. Grace life, God has called us and he's promised us to never leave us or forsake us why in the world would we want to live in the desert another year? Why live there another day? Life's not that great over here on the desert side of the Jordan. If you haven't noticed, it's a desert. Hey, we're all a little scared. But it is time to have strength and courage. It's time to cross the river and go into the land. That's what we're going to be doing this next year. Amen. Heavenly Dad, we confess to you, we struggle with courage. We struggle with strength. We confuse success with earthly things. Lord Jesus, 
Write your word on our hearts. Keep it in our mouth. Help us to recall the lessons the moment we need them. Lord, keep us from the left and to the right. Help us stay on your path. Because, Lord, you've called us to do some things that we aren't quite doing yet. But for some reason, through your patience and your love and your grace and mercy, you're waiting. Lord, I don't know what each individual's struggle is. I know what some of the things we struggle with as a church corporately. I know personally my own struggles and my family. Lord, we have all those. Lord, help us to not be satisfied with wandering on the other side of the Jordan in the desert another day. Give us strength. Give us courage. Give us confidence because we know that you have called us to take the message of hope and redemption to those, especially right here in this area on 17th and Lockwood Ridge that need to hear the message of life. We thank you ahead of time for answering this prayer by your sovereign grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Be strong and courageous. See you next week.